0: Good morning, sir. Good morning. So, you, you just asked me an excellent question. What was that?
1: As an editor, do you ever feel godlike in the ability to control what people hear and see? No. Not even a little demigod like?
0: I feel, well, the funny thing is, it's such a slow process mm-hmm. that if I was godlike, I'd be incredibly slow. You know? Oh,
1: sorry.
0: Right. Yeah. But you're, let's see, if I think about the people. Actually, I no, you know why? I, I, I feel like it's so easy to fail miserably so that whatever you're making is boring or incomprehensible that yeah. you don't, you don't feel it's a, it's a, it's a humbling thing.
1: Really? Interesting. I huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. said so when you're only looking at the end product, it can be hard to tell. Um, obviously, you know, you, it deletes all the work that goes into it, mm-hmm. but also whether it feels like, um, a good product or a bad product. Um, and David Hume, the, 18th century philosopher actually said the universe is a little like that. Huh. Um, so yeah, So the, the, the classic argument from design is you kind of look around and you say, oh, the universe is this uh, amazing, intricate place where everything works so well. Uh, so it must have been designed. And then you say that designer must have been God. And then if you're in 18th century European, you say that's the Christian God of Genesis, right? Uh-huh. Um, and then Hume points out that he's got has this whole laundry list of arguments uh, against this. But one of the things he says is, uh, he says, that that might be true that we were created, but maybe we were just like a first draft. Like, <laughs> like God made a whole bunch of universes and we're version, you know, 1.6 and, awesome. God, and God's like, oh, you know, the mosquito is just not working right in this universe. Right. I've got to go try another one.
0: That's what we call uh, in, in film. That would be a rough cut.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So Hume says, you can't tell if this is the rough cut of the universe or the best that there could be.
0: Right. In fact, I wonder if it could be that we're just like a rough, that we're, earth is a rough cut. Whereas it might sure. just he might just totally. go from planet to planet, you know, just or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If he if he's more concerned about life than the uh, just the rest of the physical.
1: Well, the that's universe. right. Or you know, or maybe you know what God is really obsessed with is making. I don't know the the perfect salt crystal. Mm, right, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. process of making the perfect salt crystal, there's this weird byproduct called life. So God just travels the universe trying to make the perfect salt crystal and and life keeps popping up by accident it's like ah oh, again
0: that's interesting i wonder what what process would life be just a byproduct of
1: oh well that's interesting i guess well, just you know, chemistry yeah, that's right. I mean, that's, um, you know, to Douglas Adams, that's the, uh, you know, the earth is the computer trying to figure out the the meaning of life and right. then, and then all the life or human, I said human specifically or all life. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, it's just a side effect of that process. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, it could be. I like uh, that
0: actually, because at least there's a cooler purpose than just a salt crystal. But right. I, 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 as an artist, You'd I appreciate, appreciate the that. salt crystal <laughs> project. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah. And then you'd have a universe, you know, in in which there's one planet that has, you know, in the Andromeda galaxy or something that has a perfect salt crystal on it. And God like shows all of his friends that planet. Uh, and then there's billions of planets with crummy salt crystals, but gigantic civilizations. And, you know, here's the Romulans and here's the Klingons, <laughs> but those aren't so interesting. It's right. this Perfect salt crystal. Right?
0: I love this idea. Uh, I love this idea. And this was considered, this was a real, a real, he, he's a scientist or philosopher? Uh, or he's he, a philosopher. Yeah. A philosopher. Um, but he's, uh, uh, and was he joking, do you
1: think? Or, No, well, actually, this is kind of an open question. So, Hume works, uh, Hume writes about everything, but this particular um, stuff is under his work in epistemology. So, epistemology Mm -hmm. is the uh, study of how we get knowledge, so like the study of our senses and how we come to conclusions and things. So, um, Hume wanted to point out that a lot of the conclusions we make. Uh, are often not very well justified. So he writes this one book called Dialogues on Natural Religion, which is all about the design argument, the idea that we can infer the existence of God or or the properties of God from studying the natural world. Mm -hmm. So this particular critique is is just one of many. He also points out that um, you can't infer that there's just one creator instead of a whole team of creators, right? There could be like a whole... Hackathon going on the universe, right? Um, but Sorry, it's, and so maybe yeah, I missed
0: sure. it. You said what? What time period are we talking about?
1: Oh, so this is uh, the late 1700s. Late 1700s, yeah. okay.
0: Scotland. Um, In Scotland, happened. interesting. Okay,
1: yeah. So Scotland's uh, uh, going through. Um, uh, what's sometimes called the Scottish Enlightenment at this time. So uh-huh. there's this flowering of all kinds of intellectual thought at the time. Um, so the, the weird thing, uh, the question is, you know, was he serious about this? It's actually hard to tell because the dialogue uh, on natural religion, where this idea comes from, is actually written, as, a, as the name suggests, as a conversation. But rather hmm. frustratingly, as the name does not suggest, it's a conversation between three characters and not two which is <laughs> um, <laughs> endlessly confusing for my students. So it's um,
0: like Socrates and Plato, right? Isn't uh, it?
1: Uh, yeah, that's that's right. So this is a classical form for for philosophical, right?
0: But with one one with another guest,
1: with another guest, yeah. Um. So. Uh, those three characters uh, in Hume's dialogue represent sort of three different points of view. There's the person who sort of thinks that is totally convinced by the design argument. Um, and then there's the person who totally doesn't believe in anything. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's the kind of the moderate person who's you know more philosophical. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that you actually can't tell who wins. By the end, right? Mm-hmm. You can't t- you can't tell whose whose side Hume is on. Hmm. Um, unlike, say, Galileo's dialogue on the two chief world systems, like it's very very obvious who wins oh. in the in Galileo's dialogue, which is one of the reasons he gets in trouble is that he's
0: oh, so it's just on Galileo. Is it that he's he has he creates a debate between whether the church is right or Copernicus? Well, is right, or?
1: not so not so much the church as um, uh, Aristotle versus Copernicus. Oh, okay. Um, and actually, I should say Galileo's dialogue is also among three people, oh. frustratingly. Uh, and and the, and the idea behind the dialogue is that by uh, that structure should let you um, explore, the different sides of a problem without coming down on one of them is definitely correct. Like that was, the, that was the purpose of the old, uh, uh dialogue format. Right. Um, so Galileo has the, uh, the Aristotelian and uh, the Copernican and then kind of the smart guy who decides between the two. Um, See now and, Galileo
0: yeah. is more like modern news rate news.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. exactly. You know, it's like right.
0: opinionated. Yes. Clearly, right. there's it's, a winner.
1: It's a fake dialogue, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's uh, and that's one of the. So I should say, the, the reason this was controversial is because Galileo was under an order, um, at the time he wrote this to not teach or defend Copernicanism. So he says, uh, and Copernicanism well, just,
0: re- just uh, Copernicanism. Oh, sure. Copernicus proposed mm-hmm. and calculated that the sun was at the center of the solar system, right? Not the Earth, which is what the
1: Church and everything else would have thought. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> essentially, everyone else, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, church is just piggybacking on Aristotle for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Galileo said, Well, I'll just write a dialogue, and then that won't count as defending Copernicanism because I'm putting all sides <laughs> forward. Um, but the right. Aristotelian- Which, by the way, is
0: very M- Michael Moore. It's not yes. me. <laughs> exactly. It's not me. You know, I'm just a little comedian.
1: That's right. I'm just I'm just reporting these things. Yeah, exactly. Right? I'm just,
0: exactly. I'm just asking questions. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, but so for instance, but the character who defends um, the Aristotelian position is just an unbelievable idiot in the dialogue. So <laughs> uh, the point at which I should say, and the character's name is Simplicio right? Um, and I should say Simplicio was a real Aristotelian philosopher, but the pun works in Latin just as well as it works in English, right? It's uh-huh. a simpleton, right? He's this, he's this stupid guy. Um, and then at the very end of the dialogue, Simplicius actually says, yeah, I'm really confused and I don't understand what you're saying. So I'm just going to say, we can't understand any of this. So the the, the Aristotelian case is not made very strongly. <laughs>
0: yeah. it's, it's, which is also like, uh, this is actually quite a while ago, but on Fox News in the early days, mm-hmm. there was Sean Hannity and
1: oh, that's right, Hannity and Combs. Hannity and right? Combs. I can't remember. Yeah. what Combs' name is. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but uh, Combs was, uh, you know, the liberal, and mm-hmm. they made him look like this scrawny, sweaty guy, and Hannity <laughs> sure. was this, you know, crew cut, beefy jock, mm-hmm. uh, personality. Yeah,
1: that's that's exactly Galileo's dialogue. Yeah, precisely that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and like Kennedy and Combs, it fooled no one, right? Like right. The, nobody read the dialogue and like, oh, wow, this is a really even-handed exploration of all the possibilities. Right, right. Right. Nobody was fooled.
0: Now, why do you think, why would Hume be subtle and, or more off, more um, even-handed than uh, Galileo?
1: that's an interesting question. So I think part of the answer here is that Galileo was a professional shit stirrer, right? <laughs> his, um, his, uh, you know, he made, uh, his, his job was, you know, sort of as court as a courtier, right? So right. his, um, his job was to do interesting things. So the Medici court could say, see that guy, Galileo. He's one of ours, right? Like uh-huh. that's literally his job is to uh-huh. do outrageous things. So there's a certain sense in which Galileo had to do outrageous things to really get like attention. Really, like TV. That's right. Again, he's like owned really by like, the um...
0: giant, rich corporation, <laughs> right? The Medici uh-huh. family, yeah. and is there to rile up the to entertain you know, and uh...
1: that's that's exactly it, right? If if you're if you're just a a calm. Uh, well-reasoned, um, interlocutor, then you're of no interest to the Medici, right? That doesn't, that doesn't get anybody talking about right. what you're doing. So yeah, so Galileo was like the tabloid or it was, it was like the Kardashians, right? He had to be on the tabloids, um, to be, to be interesting. That is, if people weren't talking about him, then there was no point. And they're,
0: they what was their motive for that?
1: The Medici? Yeah. Oh, so it's, um, let's see here, self-aggrandization huh? Right. It's just, it's, it's famous that's it. for being famous kind of thing. Yeah. Like,
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Wow.
1: Yeah. Um, so Galileo, and you can see this in his early work. So like, you know, Galileo discovers the moons of Jupiter, but he doesn't call them moons of Jupiter. He calls them the Medician stars. Oh. Okay. And, and so the book where he discovers this, the, the Sidrius Nuncius, um, starts off with this whole appeal to the medici and he says you know this is the the reason he's calling the medician stars is because they're imperishable and perfect and they'll be this eternal tribute to the medicis um you know so one of the greatest scientific discoveries of all time is presented to the world as just this sop to this rich family
0: yeah well you know uh, that also carries on today i suppose i mean totally right? right uh foundations uh
1: yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, the names of university buildings and right. Um, yeah, we're all we love naming things after, especially and, here in New York. Right, And he's
0: no fool. I mean, that's really pretty smart, actually.
1: It's totally smart. Right. And this right. is the you know, the I mean, there's a long established tradition at the at the time, you know, in the renaissance of um, of this patronage for artists and musicians. Right? Mm-hmm. That's how that's how they support themselves. Right. But no one's doing that for astronomers. So Galileo's great move is to figure out how to get. Uh, rich people excited about astronomy, such that they give him some of that sweet cash.
0: Ah, so it's the Medici's are kind of—I don't know what their politics were or anything—but uh, they're like George Soros or the Koch brothers, sure, or, yeah, mm-hmm. the F- Maca- uh, Rockefellers,
1: Rockefellers, yep. the yeah, the Gates, yeah, all the or the Gates, That's right, right, right. yeah, um, yeah. It's a little different in the, in the sense that, you know, the Medici had, um, political, uh, let's see here, direct political power mm, in a way mm. that say the rock, well, the Rockefellers is a bad example. There isn't it? <laughs> the, they the like the Rockefellers. Not, right? yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. A lot like the Rockefellers. Yeah, um, and that's, uh, yeah. And then scientists have to do that too. Right. I mean, the, the famous lab, uh, in, in Cambridge, you know, the Cavendish lab, mm. um, is named because the Cavendish family, put a lot of money forward right Uh, and there's no no mystery it's like these are the rich people who gave us money to set up this lab so we'll call it that right yeah
0: yeah. or or we have uh the johnson space center the kennedy space center right Mm -hmm. named after the
1: yeah the the political powers that made that happen right right right,
0: exactly Um, or even so, just highways so, and things like that.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, so to answer your question from a minute yeah. ago, so Hume did not have that strategy, right? So he did mm. not – he was not really living in a patronage culture the same sort of way. Um, so he didn't have that same incentive. Um, Who and, paid him? Well, this is – so he's a professor at the University of Edinburgh. Um, uh, so uh, he has uh, – he's got tenure as it were. Yeah. Um, living but off Univ- that
0: sweet Harry Potter royalty <laughs> that's going to come yeah, later.
1: That's right. Um, but I should say Hume does an amazing job um, throughout his career playing his cards very close to his chest um, in that it's very hard to tell what he actually mm-hmm. thought. Uh, so
0: was he – like Galileo was clearly playing a dangerous game. The church exactly. was very powerful, mm-hmm. as was, I guess, the Medici family as well. But right. he – and I, must, I think Galileo knew
1: that too. Oh, no question. Right. Yep. It's so, a high-risk, high-reward strategy.
0: Right. So for Hume – in edinburgh in the seven in the 1700s what why is is he in some sort of danger too that he's well
1: bold? so sort of is the answer so um the united kingdom is a complicated place uh at that time um religiously anyway mm-hmm. so scotland is part of the united kingdom right and the united kingdom is uh, has a monarch uh and that monarch is also the head of the Anglican Church. Mm-hmm. So in order to be, to have sort of full participation in English political and social life, you have to be a member of the Anglican Church. You you don't have to be a member of the Anglican Church, but if you want to be kind of a full member of society, you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you can be a Quaker, but then you are you can't go to college and can't vote and things like that yeah. um, so but then Scotland is weird because they have their own established church the Church of Scotland um, okay. so they so, so if you're and if you're in the universities the universities are clerical um, organizations at this time so uh, in England that means to be a university professor you have to take um, a priestly oath. As it were, you have to swear to the the thirty nine articles, and then in Scotland it's extremely confusing because you have to sort of both be subject to the Church of England and the Church of Scotland at the same time. <laughs> uh, so, and so this gets extremely complicated. So the I guess the short answer is that um, Scottish intellectuals get very good at uh, saying interesting things without offending everyone. Interesting,
0: right? So they that's like live, you're living under. Kind of two authoritarian mm-hmm. regimes. Yeah. Who, but were there a lot of differences between the Scottish Church?
1: Oh, and... Well, this is one of these things where, from a distance, right, you know, a Hindu, a Hindu looks at the Church of Scotland versus the Church of England and be like, "You guys are exactly the same." That's right. Um, but of course, the people who participate in these things will emphasize these tiny little doctrinal right, right, or theological it. differences. Right, yeah.
0: right. 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 Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you didn't go with four. People in his dialogue. <laughs> just, just keep adding them. <laughs> yeah. <in>. yeah. <laughs> A Hindu, for instance,
1: <laughs> would have been. Uh, yeah, that's right. That would have been very interesting. Y'all are crazy.
0: <laughs>
1: that's the modern version. That's right. right. That's right.
0: Today, what what's an equivalent of that today for scientists?
1: Oh, having multiple masters like something that? Something that's
0: really like. You know, we have uh, religious fundamentalists in the United States who are um, anti-evolution and things like that, but that's quite a minority. Yeah. And I know that Sagan, Carl Sagan, we talked about in the 70s was, uh, you know, got into nuclear weapons and was sort of got in trouble for that. but wasn't so bad, I would think, that he was I – mean, maybe we don't have this kind of thing anymore, at least in the West.
1: Oh, well, so this is uh, actually a, a, um, an interesting question because essentially the question is, um, you know, wh- what are the powers that scientists have to answer to? Right. And the, the usual answer given these days is grant funding – organizations. So if you're running a a proper lab, you need a lot of money coming in from outside. So for most of, you know, well, I'm going to say the second half of the 20th century, um, that meant the federal government. So whatever you were doing, you had to convince the federal government Mm. that this was worth doing. So yeah, you get to uh, like with Galileo you learn to phrase things in a particular way and and sell the importance mm-hmm, of things mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in particular ways even if it's a little absurd um but that's just kind of the that is just the way the game is played right mm-hmm. um and then i think one of the shifts we've had um say in the last couple of decades is uh the turn towards um i don't know business interests and kind of entrepreneurship in the sense that uh, Now, you know, it used to be that universities asked you how much government funding you were getting. And now you uh, ask professors that. And now universities ask professors uh, how many patents they get. (coughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) And then the university kind of skims off, Uh, you know, some of of that money. Right. Uh, But, you know, I get these questionnaires every year asking these sorts of things. You know, how many businesses did you start and how many patents did you get?
0: Wow. how many patents does does a, a historian of science and religion
1: <laughs> create? Um, a, a small number. You can you can count them on one hand or no
0: hands. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. did God? You know, maybe God. Let's let's go with the multi God theory. Sure. And God has um, a God. Mm-hmm. We'll call him Bob. Yep. Bob God Bob. Bob the Great mm-hmm. has created humans, oh, created Earth, an ecosystem, and he patents it. Oh yeah, that could be why we don't see anybody else.
1: Oh, that's the explanation for the, the Fermi paradox. <laughs> that's right. That just came to me. <clears throat> um, yeah, I could totally believe that. Right, and that's, Bob's licensing
0: can... fee is so high, mm-hmm. or that's or right, he's then. just no a knows-
1: dick. Yeah. So he's nobody like wants the, to work with. He's him. like the the Microsoft. Um, right. He's the. Uh, I guess maybe, that's right. Yeah. So he, he guards. So I kind of like that. But that I should say that implies, however, that there is some kind of galactic patent office that enforces.
0: Right. Well, for laws, sure.
1: Right. Yeah. For sure. That's, how could it be otherwise? Right.
0: And um, they. Uh, so and it has to be out of the range of our visible. Well, I was going to say out of our visible universe, but so far we haven't detected it with radio. We haven't detected these other civilizations. Oh, no, there are no other civilizations. There are only the gods. Well, then the question is, what are the gods doing? mm -hmm,
1: Right. Um, But essentially, I mean, in this uh, this explanation for the Fermi Paradox, you and I are just um, apps bundled with windows, right? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So – so we don't, we would have no way of knowing, right? There, there's this entirely rich world going on outside our existence that we don't, that we would have no way of accessing. That's right. right? That's right.
0: Well, let's imagine there's at least one other planet, and that is okay. the Steve Jobs
1: planet. Right. Okay. Where,
0: you know, everything is beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. and <laughs> But extremely expensive.
0: Expensive and totally incompatible with our world perhaps it's a let's okay. say it's a you know what it's a steve jobs universe i think the universe thing makes more sense okay um so you know bob uh let's call bill it's bill it's bill, bill <laughs> White beat around the there's bush? bill yeah. and steve mm-hmm. and bill lord of earth and and our universe you know created this universe that's completely buggy you know just has all kinds of problems seems to have no meaning you can use it I mean, if Mm -hmm. you can go at it and certain things work great Mm -hmm. and everything seems to work, you know, the, the the things are all, everything's compatible, the the laws of physics apply everywhere. Mm -hmm. In the Steve Jobs universe, it's much smaller, but it's really like perfect, beautifully, aesthetically. Mm -hmm. Einstein would have preferred then the Steve Jobs universe.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, that's right. Did We're, he believe in aesthetics? Fit together, perfectly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Einstein would want the the Jobs universe, um, and uh, so this is you know it's raised an interesting question of what counts as uh, what does the incompatibility mean right. in this sense. So in terms of life, that would be you know in the bill what bill has patented in his universe is dna that's right as 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 a fundamental right. the fundamental unit of life right yeah um the and then that that implies then that steve did something else right he has a different operating system right um so incompatibility there means uh you know no bill steve alien hybrids but even more like we probably wouldn't even be able to eat food from the Steve universe. Um, right. So Steve has
0: a di- Steve universe has a life in the Steve universe has totally different DNA.
1: Right. Yeah. Or something maybe not even different DNA. From DNA. Right. right. Uh, and that's actually a profound question in sort of foundations of biology is, is there an alternative to DNA as a structure of living things? Uh, right. And the answer to that is not obvious, right? Maybe it is. The, so maybe DNA is more like binary, in that it is essentially the only way to build things, yeah. right, and then the operating systems are sort of on a higher level than that, right. or maybe DNA is like the operating systems in that there are several possibilities, uh, but if you're trapped within your operating system, you might it, it, you might not even know there was another possibility
0: right so is now it seems that DNA would not be the only. That would seem odd that there would be only one way to encode genetic information. Yeah,
1: we, yeah, this is the weird thing is we don't know, right? All the all the life on Earth um, is based on DNA. You know, you and spiders uh, and mold right? All, all work on the same biochemistry. So one explanation for that is that's the only way that life can assemble itself. Uh, another explanation is that's the dominant one on Earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's so at some point, you know, three point seven billion years ago, there were six competing ways of organizing life, and DNA won out. Right? Right. Um, from our point of view, it's very hard to tell the difference from that. Right? So maybe, um, yeah, life on the other side of the galaxy, um, uh, uh, on on a, a planet on the other side of the galaxy, right. a different one of those six competing systems right. won out,
0: or even so possibly on. Yeah, mars
1: or exactly right it didn't, doesn't have to be far away it just has right. to be in a different you know a, a disconnected ecosystem as it were um now i'm and, guessing
0: biologists have thought about what those alternate things would alternate methods would be
1: yeah that's right um and the the so for instance you know we breathe oxygen right because uh-huh. it's, it's it's helpful for the particular reactions that that makes our body run um but it's been pointed out that and you can make an argument that uh, oxygen is the best for the kind of multicellular mm, warm-blooded mm. life that we do. Right. Um, but it turns out that meth- methane has a lot of similar chemical properties. Right. Okay. So one of the suggestions is that uh, you should, in addition to looking for kind of free oxygen as a sign for complicated life like us, if you look for free methane, that would also be a suggestion that there's complicated life there, breathing things. Right. 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 Um, the, the problem there is that we're, uh, we're aware of natural processes that generate methane in large quantities. Uh, we're not, or I should say, um, natural non-living processes that right. generate methane. Right. We are not aware of large non-living processes that generate oxygen. Right. Um, but it's, it's one of these things where because we're, uh, well, I should say, so I grew up as a PC guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And once I started no, I grew up as a Mac right. guy yeah. for sure. And um, Thank you. That's right, which is why we live in different boroughs. That's right. <laughs> we can't actually meet in it's person. Not <laughs> um, and I remember the first time I sat down in front of a Mac was I was like totally paralyzed. Mm. Like where is my C colon backslash? Right. What do I do now? And uh of of course I'm sure you had the same experience when you had to sit down in front of DOS for the first time too. Um, actually, no,
0: I, I mean, I'm, DOS existed before the Mac, so I right, you had to add it, it. it, yeah, and all that. But and Unix and but mm-hmm. uh, definitely, actually, Windows is a, is a perfect example because you know I get used to using Mac and and then I go to Windows after not having used it forever, or you know, and uh, it's the same thing. Yeah, where's this key? Where's that? Yeah, now, did so you judge it as well? Did you be like
1: Oh, of course. It's it's a definite yeah. moral judging, right? right. You right. say people, uh yeah, you know, people who don't know how to manually change directories and copy files, right? What's wrong that's with these right. people? <laughs> uh, because it's this thing. is whatever you're used to seems like the best yes. and the most obvious, and very often the only. So I think DNA is like that, right? Where we we love DNA so much, yes, that. Trying to re tra- trying to imagine how it might be otherwise um, is like trying to use DOS for the first time.
0: Right. In fact, in, in terms of uh, SETI or you know uh, search for extraterrestrial intelligence, mm-hmm. I've a- always been kind of fascinated by the idea that there could, for instance, gravity waves is something mm-hmm. that we. Uh, happened to, Einstein happened to have predicted, right. theor, theorized existed. Mm-hmm. And we have just recently disco- been able to actually discover them, to measure them, prove that they're real, that these waves can travel through space. Uh, there are other things yet to be discovered that are all exactly. around. I, I mm-hmm. mean, to go back to before radio, mm-hmm. Marconi or, you know, whoever the inventors of radio didn't know that this incredible means of communication was possible. Right. So it was just empty. And once they turned it on, it's like, whoa, a whole new universe opens.
1: That's right. Exactly right. And you can imagine that, you know, I, you know we just started listening to gravity waves, right? I think we just yeah. got our third signal ever. Yes. So as our gravity wave detectors get better, it's entirely plausible that um, the universe is full of gravity wave signals from aliens right now, right? That's how they talk to each other. Right. What what kind of an idiot uses electromagnetic radiation? <laughs> right. can use Although energy-wise, right? that would be it. Would be really trick, expensive. right somebody, that's right. there's got to be something else going on to to make that feasible. Um, but I think that would be an extraordinary thing, right? Somebody finally builds the the hundred times more sensitive gravity wave, and they pick up "I Love Lucy" from the aliens. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh my god, <laughs> right? universe is full of these things." How would you know?
0: Actually, this would be the perfect rationale for an incredibly uh, hungry race of, of aliens mm-hmm. that they can only communicate through gravity waves, yeah. which can only be sensed when you move in, basically black holes Farmersons. collide right. and uh, you need the amount of mass you need and or energy to to talk to each other by banging basically like like a monkey who bangs cymbals together a little toy <laughs> yeah. they bang black holes together but Uh, but you can only do it once Mm -hmm. and so you have to have a whole bunch and so they need mass so they could be out there looking for us and we might be like that one lump of coal
1: that's right yeah okay yeah in the process they're only interested in yeah black hole scale masses so we just get destroyed in the process of them I don't know, asking out their date to prom or something, but they just <laughs> right. happened to be, they, they got to send the signals. They smashed together a couple of black holes and we come along for the ride and get destroyed. That's right. That that's happens. right. That's right. Well,
0: you know, a black hole is made up of, from one earth comes, <laughs> is the first <laughs> grain of sand in a mighty black hole to mm-hmm. come. <laughs> okay. So uh, this is, I love this. What be if, worth what if, what the, if there's a civilization mm-hmm. Alien civilization, vast. They maybe they communicate in different ways on on small scales, but really their most important communications between you know their very far flung empire mm-hmm. is through gravity waves. They have to bang black holes together. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now we can make okay. So there was all this ruckus in the news when the um, large hadron collider was coming online mm-hmm. or even just being built and there were some frankly quacks who sure. said well we heard that this large hadron collider can make black holes right can make oh, a microscopic yeah. Yeah. black mm-hmm. hole right what if it becomes a runaway black hole that swallows mm-hmm. the earth yeah
1: um, can we make a sustainable well, black so- hole that's a good question. So it's um, not all black holes are created equal. I guess sort of uh-huh. the first thing to say. So, so like the, the kinds of black hole um, collisions we detect uh, with our uh, primitive gravity gravity wave detector are gigantic ones, right The ones you know tens or hundreds of solar masses. But a black hole can be any size. Um, it's just you just have to compact you small enough. Uh, so yeah, So yeah. the problem is that the smaller the black hole, the faster it evaporates as well. They, they literally evaporate mm. by hawking radiation. Right. So the, the reason microscopic black holes are not much of a threat is that they tend to evaporate so quickly um, that they can't suck much stuff into them. Right. Um, Even so, how,
0: how do you make a black hole if you don't have like an entire star, you know, amount of mass to collapse? Yeah.
1: So this is, this is one of the, the weird quirks of general relativity is that um, the deformation of space time is actually not proportional to just how much mass it is, but how much mass is packed into a small space. So, mm. for, so for any given mass, so for a Phillips size mass – there, you can calculate the short shield radius, which is if you pack the mass into that small a radius, you will right. then get a black hole of that mass. Um, so the, I shouldn't lose weight. I mean, <laughs> well, I have
0: a lot of weight, but it's more widely distributed.
1: Exactly, you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't compress yourself. Right, okay, good. <laughs> in a radical way. Um, <laughs> And, and these numbers are so absurd, like for how much we have to compress you to turn you into a black hole, right. um, that it essentially never happens in natural processes. So the only time in sort of in normal happenings of nature that you get enough mass crunched into a small enough space is with collapsing stars. So that's why black holes tend to be stellar mass sized.
0: I see. but And, and now th- those we know that black holes kind of eat each other they you know yeah. one black hole will mm-hmm. cuz it's yeah, giant they gravitational they force right will pull in things and and once mm-hmm. things come in they can't escape and so yeah. the black hole grows and so at the center turns out right at the center of every galaxy is a ma- super massive black hole they call it right um f- we don't know exactly why but it's there and as stars swirl around it if they get too close they go in and And they become part of the black hole. And and the black hole gets a little bit bigger for every star that it eats. The microscopic Mm -hmm. black hole, suppose it could last just, you know, it it wasn't instantaneous. It it doesn't instantaneously evaporate. Mm -hmm. Is there a period where it attracts other, like,
1: yeah, it'll attract other things. But the, like, the, um, you know, a Phillips sized black hole is sub atom sized. Okay, So, you know, atoms are mostly empty space. So, so your black hole, after your transformation into a black hole, you will be zooming around in mostly empty space. Uh, And if you happen to run into a nucleus, then you will suck that into you and you will get a tiny bit bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, But your, your gravitational force is so weak because you're so small, right. um, that, uh, the odds of you was well, so essentially it's a race. Uh, you have to eat up enough atoms, Pac-Man style, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, bef- before you evaporate in order to survive.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: and there's, this would be an intro, this would be a good, like, um, master's thesis in physics. Well, what is sort of the minimum size of microscopic black hole that will likely eat enough to survive before it evaporates? Um, right. So right. totally doable calculation. Interesting. Um, you're going to, you'd need to be good at a few different things, not just general relativity, the physics of black holes, but statistical mechanics and Brownian motion and things like that. Right. Um, and that would be an interesting number, right? And then you could have, that would be a number you could write down and carry around in your pocket and say, I'm not scared of any black holes smaller than this. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> black hole on, you have a little sign that says black hole on board. <laughs>
1: right. I would I baby, mean, I'm, I'm,
0: baby black hole on board. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, so my guess would be it's um, hmm, it's probably planet mass sized. That's that's my that's mm, my back mm. of the brain calculation. Is that you don't need to worry about black holes like smaller than Earth, Jupiter? Which? Yeah, I'd say I'd say Earthish. Earth-ish? But this okay. is I, this is totally a, a wild ass guess. <laughs> right, right, right,
0: right, 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 right. Well, yeah. For instance, Jupiter seems to be. Perhaps it was a proto star, mm-hmm. so maybe it's like the tiniest, just below the tiniest kind of star you could imagine. Um, which now, not all stars become black hole anyway. But that, that's more about the chemis- the um, physics inside the star, whether it uh, yeah, collapses right. over its own uh, mm-hmm. uh, other forces. So, if you you can, let's suppose we can make one would it, how would you contain it?
1: Oh, contain your black hole? So you got Um, this black
0: hole, it's eating everything around it.
1: Right. Uh, No, you're pretty much, if if it, that's right, if it's beyond the black hole on board danger minimum, um, then you're pretty much screwed. Um, You know, the the way to keep out of a gravitational um, well like that is to orbit it at the correct mm-hmm. speed, right? right? So if you if you have some maneuvering capability, you can maneuver around it and get into a stable orbit, and you'll be okay, right. as long as you're not past the event horizon and then it's all over from there. Um, but the problem is that gravity, you can't... Um, we know of no way to shield against gravity, right? right? So, so you can shield electrical things because you've got positive and negative charges. So if you want to shield a positive charge, you shield it with negative charges and you're good right. to go. Um,
0: and nuclear power, nuclear, we can shield, the nucle- we can contain Yeah, it.
1: that's that's a little more complicated, but yeah. Yeah. With um, more but there's no equivalent, right? There's no, there's no equivalent for gravity, right? There's right. no opposite gravitational charge that we know of. <clears throat> you yeah. know, if we can figure out what dark energy is and manipulate it, then maybe you can build a gravitational shield. Right. Um, but as yet, sorry. So you,
0: if you could, the society, the, the civilization that's communicating by mm-hmm. banging black holes together, right. That's, they've got to be able, my guess is that rather than, well, there's an early stage of the civilization where they have to do it by storing them up, building, you know, mm-hmm. a reservoir of these things like mm-hmm. coal. Okay. Right. Okay. And, sure. and then, you know, like, when, you know, two tribes or something, you know, far flung people want to communicate by fire, uh, by bonfires, you know, they're going to burn oh, something. Right.
1: Gotcha. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So this early stage of this civilization is uh, they got all these black holes. Somehow they're able to contain them or there's just a huge region of space where they can, I don't know, you know, they can put them.
1: Well, that's right. You'd, you'd have to figure out some orbit where they could orbit around each oh, other safely. Okay. Right. Yeah, you could totally do that.
0: Oh, cool. Yes, yeah, so there's like this crazy, swirling black mm-hmm. hole cloud. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but if you're
1: good enough at math, you figure out the orbits that are mostly stable. Right. you're good to go. Wow, that would be a cool thing. That would be a cool thing. And
0: then whenever they like, go, oh, we got to send a message to, uh, you know, the others, somebody's a little tugboat or something going to go in there. And well, I guess all they would have to do is nudge one of them out of orbit in just the right way so that yep. it hits Again. another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and then they'd have to have as simple a code as possible.
1: You would want a very efficient code, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Or pro- maybe in
0: the way, actually, in the way they hit each other, the type of ring that it makes. Well, that's an maybe interesting a thought. There,
1: there could be some way to encode that. Um, but certainly early on, it would be like um, the beacon Beacons of Gondor Right, uh-huh. where they where they just light it, and you have an agreement ahead of time, where you say if you see this signal, it right. means this. So it would be the same kind of way um, right. with gravity waves. Say if you hear a gravity wave from us, it means the Altarians have arrived, or whatever, uh, whatever right. critical message you right. figure out. Right.
0: Actually, if you go back even further, I'm going to guess that the way this civilization started was they had these things. Speaking of the monkey, it's like like. Uh, King Kong or, you know, this island or whatever, they're they're like, when they see people coming that they don't want to get too close, they, you know, bang a couple black holes together. (laughs)
1: It's like, stay away. That's kind of a signal. Well, I mean, that would be, um, I think that would be a good signal, right? Because then you would say, oh, any civilization that's powerful enough to bang together black holes on a regular basis, I don't want to (laughs) mess with. (laughs) So I'm just going to stay home. Right, they have um, to
0: bang it. Maybe they want to bang it, in, a, I mean, it, just the banging together might say this is a dangerous region of space. Don't come near here. But right. also, they want to bang it in a way that indicated they were intelligent. And
1: and this is the this is always the trick with SETI is that a mm-hmm. message a message that says if you don't share any common form of information with somebody, a message that that to you means stay away sure looks like a come say hello message oh. to somebody else, right? Right. And when it's something that simple, like I, I, I can send one bit of information, I can bang a black hole or not, right. um, it's very hard to tell whether you're asking for attention or you're telling people to stay away. Right. Uh, and it's not, it's just not clear. Like this is how actually Alien, the movie, starts if you remember. This right. they get They get a signal and the captain thinks it's a distress signal. Right right and then sigourney weaver looks at it more closely and says no it's a warning signal stay away right Right. and then everybody dies except for
0: right that's right see smart Mm -hmm. yeah and and the signal that uh, ligo receives is like a chirp
1: that's right yeah it's it's like a sound yeah so you could that doesn't
0: sound like stay away
1: Um. Sounds question. like hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. Um well what would the st- what would the, the stay away sound like? then?
0: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That's three. That's six black holes. That's
1: uh, Yeah. That's costly. Very inefficient. I don't know if any of our listeners figure out how to encode a stay away message that's into it. a single black hole. That's right.
0: And the last thing I'll just have to point out is that the <laughs> they're banking on so other civilizations having LIGO-sized mm-hmm. receivers right, mm-hmm. in their ships. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, we, we assume that people have, you know, I mean, ra- radio telescopes are gigantic things, right? Hundreds right. of meters across. Right. And we have no problem imagining that a civilization sets up a whole bunch of those. True. Right? So in a 100 years, I'm sure we'll feel the same way about uh, gravity wave detectors and gamma ray observatories That's and true. tachyon fields and things, right?
0: Yeah, anyone can measure vibrations smaller than an animal.
1: That's right. What, what kind can of a crappy civilization can't do that? <laughs> right. We don't even want to talk to them. <laughs> right.
0: We can do that and have trolls on the internet. I mean, we <laughs> can have, but we have a really wide range, and that range is just going to...
1: Yeah, the gravity wave internet must be totally full of trolls. <sighs> can you imagine how bad this must be if you've got a whole <laughs> galaxy of... <laughs> Aliens living in their parents' basements.
0: <laughs> so many black holes being
1: wasted for like you know,
0: they have a Twitter which is like 140 black hole bangs. That's right, <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> 280 black holes. You yeah. know,
1: just just to insult someone's parentage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then get misinterpreted anyway. You know, emoji would be. You'd re- be- emoji would have to be like. Three, three or more black holes collide.
1: Yep, that's right. Just to send an eggplant across the universe. Oh, <laughs> that's right. That's
0: right. Um, the comments, the comments section scrolling across the sky. That's right. So horrible. <laughs> that's... That would. That's enough to keep people away. I think. That, yeah, I hope. Let's say so. like pick right. up that signal. Mm-hmm. You know why should we
1: go there, these guys?
0: Dumkov uh, seven two one.
1: Yeah. All hmm. yeah, right. guys go home.
0: Well, this is great. Again, I, I'm always amazed how we, we ended up going from...
1: I know. We start with the Scottish Enlightenment.
0: The Scottish Enlightenment to talking with black holes.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Excellent. And I like that we, you know, we went through a... I, I love actually coming up with a communication service instead of taking it to the you know, uh, military. Because we, we need to keep those ideas quiet that's so right. that we, we can that patent away. those and sell those to the military we don't want those ideas to get into the wrong hands
1: Yeah, basically um but yeah anybody can have the uh black hole twitter if they want it. you can go
0: (laughs) it's free as in beer you know you you buy beer meet us you can can, uh, go for that wonderful i hope you have a good week yeah you too coming up
1: um And uh, we'll communicate again soon, as soon as I get my gravitational singularities rotating in the right way. That's right. (laughs)
0: All right, sir. See you next week. All right, take care.